The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Cluster, but <laughs> I, well, I've been going through some things. <laughs> <laughs> you said, "Does my does my sadness show?" <laughs> so, man, I hope not. <laughs> Goodness, freaking gracious! So, hey, hi, hello, everybody. We are super awkward, but we love you anyways. It's completely fine. We hope you're having a good day <laughs> and a good week and, and a good, good life. the tea's ready (laughs) we always hope you're doing okay and grand and dandy and fantastic and awesome and i'm running out of adjectives i'm running out of adjectives oh no our adjective king has lost his ability to produce more adjectives (laughs) (laughs) regardless you get the point we hope you're doing well Jesus, I wish we were less awkward. <laughs> like, what do we even do? Why do we even have a podcast? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> we paid X amount of money, work X amount of hours a week so we can sit down, record it, and be awkward. <laughs> That's literally what our whole show is. Jesus. But we love you guys for loving us, so. Oh, that was actually really well worded. We do love you guys for loving us. It's crazy. We appreciate all of the support and kindness you guys always give us. It's beyond rad. And all of the messages that we've been getting lately have just been completely awesome. And we hope you all are doing well, especially during these holiday times. We know it is not easy. Yeah, shit's crazy right now. Shit's really crazy. But it's a good thing that you brought that up, and I'll just make this very quick. But we have, I don't know, man. I feel like our numbers are growing more and more to a point to where it's like a way further and and way beyond what i ever expected our show would ever be like ever Mm -hmm. but i don't know it's just getting to that point to where it's like wow bitch like a lot of people like a lot of people (laughs) are like listening to this and all of the new emails we get from people literally all over the world 
messaging us to tell us how much they love the show. Like, I can't even describe what that does to me. It's crazy. I don't know how any of you tolerate us. So thank you. Thank you. Bunches and bunches. Holy shit. And before we dive in today, I do have another patron to announce. Yes, we got a new Gorgoat this week. So a big thank you to... Is it Corlin or Corline? I'm so sorry if I butchered your name, but thank you so, so much. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we appreciate you so, so very much. That's super awesome. We the Gorgoats like, are the best. We sound like beatniks. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> so today we are going to be discussing the horrific murder of 15-year-old Elise Poller. Which actually inspired the horror cult classic movie Jennifer's Body. Oh, shit. I will um, go ahead and say I've never seen that movie. Well, I've I mean, heard a lot about it, but I've never seen it. But still, holy shit. It's a movie that came out in 2009 starring Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, I think is her name. And basically, if you haven't seen the movie, it's literally about a rock band that sacrifices a cheerleader who they targeted because they believed she was a virgin so they could sacrifice her to Satan so they can become better in their band and be famous. Alrighty. Alrighty. But, like, in the movie, she ends up not being a virgin and she turns into, like, this demon succubus or something and she kills the guys or... Yeah, so so that's the movie version. But what happened to Elise Poller is... um even more hard to believe than the already hard to believe fiction from the movie. Oh man, I don't like the vibe of that at all. Not at all. Everybody thought this was a far-fetched story, including myself. I had no clue that this case was connected to the movie um, until I started researching it, and then I was like, hmm, okay. One of those, man. Yeah, but what everyone didn't know at the time of its release was that this movie is basically inspired by Elise's murder. Okay. And, of course, they're definitely not going to market it that way, but... Right, right. Still, though. So I do want to also mention that the representation of Satanism in the context of what these kids did and how they viewed Satanism does not in any way reflect how we on this podcast view Satanism or its practitioners. Right, right, right. So we are, we are simply just laying out the case for you. We are not with the satanic panic shit. No, and actually I kind of touch on that a little bit later. Gotcha, gotcha. Good. Just, just... just a little bit. If you're really curious about the the actual huge explanation that I went into on the satanic panic era was in a Chicago Ripper Crew. Yeah, I remember actually. Holy shit, God, that's such an old one. Yeah, because I even I even went into like the specific book that they probably got their hands on, and yeah, it was uh, it it was it was something. We don't like to remember the Ripper Crew. Yeah, 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 but maybe <laughs> maybe shameless plug if you want to check that one out it's like you were having flashbacks i literally saw the wife just like leave your eyes for a second <laughs> i started <I'll>... disassociating <laughs> uh just just be careful listen with caution fuck <laughs> Elise 
Elise Marie Poller was born April 24, 1980, in Templeton, California, to her parents, Lizanne and David Poller. Her family lived in Arroyo Grande, California, when this horrific crime took place in 1995. Oh, that's the year I was born. Holy shit. Thank you for making me feel so old. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just playing. But uh, 15-year-old Elise was the oldest of the Pollers' four children, and she was very close with her family. And her loved ones describe her as a good child that was fiercely independent, free-spirited, adventurous, and very sociable. She had absolutely no problem striking up a conversation with people that she didn't know. So because of this, Elise had a lot of friends, and she seemed to get along with everyone and anyone, really. Gotcha. She seems like a very vibrant spirit, honestly. So she attended Arroyo Grand High School, where she was a well-behaved student who maintained her grades, and she played on the tennis and soccer team. She was also very active in her church choir and the local theater as well. Oh, nice. So she had these dreams of becoming an actress. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, she also had a rebellious side, you know, being 15, and uh, she would sneak out of her bedroom window at night and go hang out with her friends. And she also started to experiment with drinking alcohol and smoking some weed. So much so that she was suspended from school for five days after the school called her parents to report that she was very noticeably under the influence of something. Oh, shit. So whether she was drunk or she was high, like, according to the way the story goes, I guess she drank and smoked before she went to school. Wow. So Lizanne and David, they tried to talk to Elise about, you know, what's going on with their daughter and their concerns for her. But she would literally just brush it off and act kind of dismissive that everything was just fine. Which everything basically seemed fine because she was still very active and in the community and she was, you know, maintaining her grades. She was on two athletic teams, so everything did kind of seem fine. Gotcha. But they checked Elise into the Mariposa Community Recovery Center immediately into a substance program, which, I mean, when you're worried about what substances your child is getting into, I mean, especially when you don't know what they're getting into. I can imagine that's a wee bit scary. You know, when you're an adult, like, you make your decisions and you go through with them, but she's 15. Right. So they seem like pretty good parents to me. But during her stay at the recovery center, Elise met 15-year-old Jacob Delashmutt. That what's that's one a hell last of a last name. name. Right. <laughs> you said that is the last name if mm. I've ever heard a last name. <laughs> Jacob Delashcunt is what we're gonna call him. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I'll I'll take your word that it's deserved. It's very well deserved. But uh, Jacob attended the same school as well. But at school, Elise and Jacob weren't really from the same social circles, so she didn't really know him like that. But now she was interacting with him more and more, and they quickly became friends. So Jacob eventually introduced Elise to his friends 14-year-old Joseph Fiorella and 16-year-old Royce Casey. All three of these boys were heavily into drinking a lot of alcohol, smoking weed, and hardcore drugs like speed, coke, acid, meth, and even glue sniffing. Oh my... So they were either kicked out of their schools for destructive behaviors or they just stopped going altogether. 
But there was mention that Jacob even rode the same school bus as Elise, apparently, whenever he would decide to go to school. All three of these boys were also known for their bullying and just being dicks to people. All, all righty then. So, Jacob Delash cunt. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't figured out, you know, some spiffy little names for the other two fucks, but, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a little sassy today. So there was this old drainage pipe that they would hang out at that they called the Pipe of Death. The Pipe of Death. Yes, and they hung out there and called it that because a kid had apparently fallen to his death at the location, and I guess they thought it was, like, edgy or some shit. What the fuck? Why? So they were really into death metal music, which I mean same. Same. But they'd sit and listen to it for hours on end, obsessing over the lyrics. Oh, I already see where this is going. Good God. They were in their own band called Hatred, which was heavily inspired by the band Slayer. Yeah. I don't like the vibe of this story. I can't say that I do, because I am familiar with this case, but... Knowing you, I'm going to learn a lot of new detail that I didn't know beforehand because I haven't, like, dove into this one. But I just don't like the vibe. I don't like the vibe you said, obsessing over death metal lyrics. Obviously, we're talking about it here on our podcast. I don't like where this is going. Yeah. I already see a picture. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to stop. We're going to continue the story. I'm just saying that I don't like it. Yeah. Particularly. Oh, and I did forget to give trigger warnings in the beginning of our intro. But yes, I will definitely give you guys a heads up. And uh, we will we will just, we'll see when we get there. When things get like really. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. When things get really fucked up, I'll let you know. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But if you're unfamiliar with Slayer, they were a death metal band from the 80s. And they've been active up until their farewell tour, I believe in 2018. Uh, Their lyrics are usually pretty dark, and some even see them as controversial as they revolve around necrophilia, death, torture, Satanism, and human sacrifice. Right. Yeah. But if you listen to darker or heavier tastes of music like us, then you'll know that these are pretty normal lyrics that are brought up or used in the metal scene, especially death metal. Right, and um, I can I can also say here on this podcast as someone that not only likes death metal, but I love Slayer. I grew up listening to them. Yeah, I, I mean, have yet to kill anyone. Right. That <laughs> that 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 was the big kicker here, like, you know, cuz I already see where this is going. I already see it, and I just want to make a point that Slayer or any other band that I like has not caused me to commit homicide. Right. It's interesting how it works that way. I'm just going to let you continue. Exactly. But um, the actual meaning behind the name of the band is basically an acronym for Satan Laughs As You Eternally Rot. I, I did not know that, but I looked it up. I did not know that either, and now I'm sitting over here like I just proclaimed that I'm a Slayer fan, yet I didn't know that, and I feel like a poser. <laughs> I, you know, there are, there are several Slayer songs that I like. You know, I don't, I haven't listened to, like, their whole album or anything like that. Right. You know, there are several songs of theirs that I do like, and, you know, I I like their persona. 
Because right. let's be real, like bands put on personas. Right. That's, and I mean, that's part of the entertainment. And, and we're metalheads. Right. So, I mean, of course, of course we like that. Like I said, I grew up listening to Slayer. That was like one of the bands that was just in my rotation of music when I was like 11, 12 years old. That's just what it was. You right. Know? <laughs> so anyway, all three of these boys also had a growing interest in Satanism. And they were self-proclaimed members of the Church of Satan. Now, they supposedly even went online and purchased three laminated cards from a website that declared them as Church of Satan card-carrying members. So they could whip out this card and show people, like, crazy shit. That is so... But, I mean, they're okay. teenagers, you know? Right, They're right. teenagers. The and... angst is very real <laughs> right now. Very real. But more disturbingly, they also ordered a knife off of another website that they thought would be perfect to sacrifice a virgin with. See, that's where it goes fucking weird. That's where it goes completely fucking sideways, my go- guy. Yeah, I just... that's fucking weird. Yeah. I... I don't know. I, clearly, we're not listening to the same Slayer. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Because, we must have like... got the watered-down version, <laughs> because what the fuck, my guy? Oh, this is escalating in a way that I am just... Uh... So, yeah, they had brought it up, and they would sit around and basically fantasize and describe how they'd do it, like how they would kill this virgin. So they had become obsessed with the idea, specifically... Joseph had become obsessed with the idea, and it was literally all they could talk about. They would even talk about it in the past tense form as if it had already happened. And some people around them were beginning to catch wind of this and talk about the boys, like wondering if they had actually killed someone or not. Holy hell. So they would, you know, just rationalize the thought away like, no, you know, they're just children being really fucking weird. But <laughs> Right, right. But like, the, news was, the news was spreading that these three boys are trouble. Gotcha. I mean, fucking clearly they're like wanting to sacrifice someone. That's, that's pretty fucking extreme, dude. It's that's that's like the ultimate extreme. My God. And there, you said 14, 15. 14, 15, and and 16. 16. God. Like I said earlier, Joseph had became so obsessed over the idea of killing a virgin, more so than Jacob and Royce. So he began to read a lot of Aleister Crowley books. Oh, God. And in reading these books, he came to the conclusion That human sacrifice, sacrificing a virgin, would please Satan and they'd be granted the power to play better and harder in their band. And he actually told Jacob and Royce that they'd become unstoppable and they'd have all the fame and riches because if they sacrificed a virgin for real, they'd be granted all this power to perform better musically by Satan. Okay, see, this is another thing that I don't understand. Why fucking sacrifice somebody, my guy? If you want to be better in your band, why not fucking practice? Practice. It's like the like, instant. Seriously. It's like, almost wh- like the instant gratification of I'm going to rely on this deity to give me power by, you know, doing the most awfulest shit I can imagine. So I can be really good at something that I'm not willing to practice. Like, like 
Jesus. Either that or you have a very convoluted idea of what the members of Slayer are really into, my guy. (laughs) I just, I don't understand. I mean, I'm sure Slayer practices. Uh, I'm sure they do. I mean, they're really good. I mean, (laughs) they're really, really good. But, and I'm not even trying to be overly funny. Like, I know this is obviously a very serious story. Not trying to just laugh through the whole thing. Part of it is me laughing in anxiety. Obviously, if you know us, you know that. But that's a genuine, like, thought of mine. It's like these kids are literally sitting here with these dreams of being big in a band. And it's like, where did the point go from, like, we want to be good in a band. We should practice regularly. So we're good. We should rehearse because that's what bands do. (laughs) Like, where did it go from that to, like, oh, we just have to straight up fucking kill someone? (laughs) Like, Like, what the fuck? And they're kids. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, God, God, God. They had to find a virgin with blonde hair and blue eyes. They were very specific about that. Under this belief that a blonde-haired, blue-eyed virgin somehow represented the ultimate, quote, sin against God and grant them their ticket to hell, end quote. Or that's at least what they told investigators later. My God, this is so fucked. So even though Elise hadn't really known these boys that well, like she was hanging out with them, you know, her friends began to caution her about hanging out with these guys that were kind of creepy and they didn't have a good reputation. And, you know, they were worried about the things that her friend was getting into. Right, right. And their instincts were right because the boys became obsessed with Elise. Oh, God. She was the perfect sacrificial candidate because she had blonde hair blue eyes and she was a virgin so then they started to plan and discuss how they were going to murder elise i'm speechless honestly like this has escalated so quickly like what the fuck jacob knew that elise liked to smoke weed and allegedly According to one source, she had a reputation of hanging out with older guys who could smoke her out for free, basically. So he tells them that he can get her to hang out with them. All they have to do is supply the weed. In the meantime, they hung out with her at the pipe of death more and more to smoke weed like everything is normal as a means to get closer to her. uh... Then when she would leave, they'd be discussing how they were going to kill her and sacrifice her body to the devil. Wild. Wild. This is wild. To act pretty much completely normal in front of someone that you are planning to kill is... That is fucking scary. Like That is really scary to think about. Like, could you ever imagine just... Hanging out with someone and it's chill and grand and you're having a good time, but like they're secretly plotting to do some awful shit to you. I couldn't, I just could not imagine that kind of shit scares the fuck out of me. And that's exactly why the only person I hang out with, bitch, is you. (laughs) Like, I'm not even risking it. Like, a lot of these social situations, especially like in in current events, uh, what was the, the one woman? That went on a girls' trip with her friends. Oh, God, that! And case. she got the hell beat out of her, and she died. I, I hate that I cannot hold on. We're actually going to take one second because I have to remember her name. We have, yeah, her, yeah. I just don't want to bring that up and then not actually have her name. 
because that case is absolutely fucking awful. Her name was Shanquilla Robinson. That yes, that was her. But that's like a yeah. prime example, and that's honestly a case we we may do at some point. That is absolutely tragic, but that that's basically the point we're touching on like hanging out with friends people that are supposed to protect you be there for you be good with you and first right. of all not want to fucking hurt you right much less kill you i just that scares the shit out of me like that that's the kind of thing in humanity that i just i can't fuck with like i don't fuck with it so for me <laughs> to avoid any kind of sour social situation i don't have any because if you don't have any you avoid it altogether. i stay in my room and i hang out with you and i'm good you know i like my bubble that is my bedroom and and i will fight if you try to remove me <laughs> <laughs> but um elise started to notice weird behavior coming from the boys towards her like she'd catch them staring at her from time to time but she grew even more uncomfortable understandably when she noticed the boys across the street from her house they just showed up across the street from her house yeah so her friends wanted her to stop hanging out with these boys altogether but Elise figured she was being nice to them and they were just misunderstood so she would continue to hang out with them. Oh man, I fucking hate that. Yeah, but I don't know what the whole ordeal was. I I don't think it was like a stalking situation necessarily, but I think I think it's like part of their planning phase where yeah, they're trying they're... to figure out like okay, where would given all the information that you've given thus far, it's definitely fucking weird. Yeah. It's weird. There's not a, there's not a okay vibe to that like at all. There's not. So, now things are going to start getting a little bit rough. Oh. So, so just prepare yourselves. The first time that they tried to kill Elise has some variations to the story, but according to Royce Casey, there was a teenager named Travis Williams who was another kid that they hung out with that they probably talked into this as well. And one of the boys handed Travis a knife, the same knife that they would later use to actually murder Elise. But Travis pretended to slip down into a steep ravine, or the other version is, is that she was pushed into the ravine. Okay. Either way, when she's at the bottom of this ravine, she looks up and she sees Travis with a knife. And the other boys are chanting, do it, do it, do it. What the fuck? Travis froze. He couldn't do it, thankfully. The boys apparently ran off when Elisa's mom showed up. Now, one source says that her mom was walking down the street and apparently, I guess, heard the commotion because this wasn't far from Elisa's house. But Elise, however, dismissed the incident because she thought that the boys didn't actually mean to hurt her and she thought this was all, like, just some really bad fucking prank. She even somehow convinced her mom to let it go, and it was never reported. So her father was quoted saying, quote, Elise was very trusting. That was the root of the problem. She never thought that there could be anything wrong with anybody, end quote. Oh, man, she was such a sweet soul. So this, you know, kind of helps explain why she would even put her trust in someone 
that it's clearly shown that they don't have her best intentions at heart and wishes to do her physical harm. She probably thought she knew these guys better than she did, and this was all just a joke to them. She was just being a good person. Like, and I, uh, that kind of shit just kills me. Like, and I, I hate that that seems to always be, for the most part, the kind of people that this shit happens to. Yeah. I just, it breaks my heart in a way that I can't describe. The day before Elise went missing, she was hanging out at a party and Jacob was there apparently. And he told her that he got his hands on some really good weed. And if she wanted some, she could hit him up and come smoke. So they exchanged numbers. Well, July 22nd, 1995, Elise got two phone calls from Jacob to come smoke and come hang out. And despite being uncomfortable and a little nervous, she ultimately agreed. But it wasn't much longer before she was calling out, Good night, I love you, to her parents and pretending to go to bed. Oh, so she snuck out. She packed her blankets with pillows and snuck out of her bedroom window. Oh, God. And she headed out to meet the boys at the spot Jacob told her about. And the meeting spot was a eucalyptus grove on the Nipomo Mesa not far from Elisa's house. So, side note, apparently, Travis Williams, the teenager that was holding the knife, right, he was also supposed to hang out with them that night, but he was arrested for shooting an elderly woman. Uh, What the fuck? So, it kind of gives you an idea of the type of people that this small little group is. God damn, Uh, that that took me way off guard. I'm sorry, that was just so left field. I mean, all of this is left field, but... Yeah. Holy shit, I mean, okay. All right, right, Travis. Okay, guys, so this is where my asshole completely left my body. It uh, packed its bags. It left early morning, didn't leave a note. It just left. (laughs) (laughs) It just disappeared on me, so... uh, yeah, trigger warnings, uh, rape, strangulation, and necrophilia. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. They were sitting around the grove, smoking weed, and then out of nowhere, the boys attacked Elise. One of the boys grabbed Elise by her hair and pushed her down onto her back, and Jacob removed his belt and wrapped it around Elise's throat, and he began to strangle her while Royce got on her and held her down. My fucking God. Joseph then stabbed Elise with the hunting knife directly into her throat. Each boy took their turns stabbing her in the throat and in her back a total of 12 times. So Joseph would start stabbing her a couple of times. He would pass the knife to Royce, who would start stabbing her a couple of times, who then passed to Jacob and he stabbed her in the back. The forensic pathologist later commented that the 12 wounds were not fatal and she actually died from slowly bleeding to death. I'm speechless. I don't even have anything to say for this. Now, Royce later said that Elise cried out for her mom and prayed to God the entire time. Stop. When they felt that she wasn't dying quickly enough, they then stomped on the back of her neck to try to finish her off. 
then once they were sure that she was dead, they uh they took turns raping her lifeless body. And these are fucking kids. Yeah. From what I understand, Joseph was the one that initiated it. He was the one that initially started to pull her pants down, and the boys just followed suit. And evidence even shows on Elise's body that they had returned to her body several times to continue to have sex with her corpse throughout the eight months that she was missing. They, eight months? Yes. So Eight, uh, eight months? Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Like, I know I just said this, but they're kids. These are fucking kids. They uh, apparently buried her in a shallow grave, and then they went about their lives as normal. I genuinely don't have much to say to that. I'm fucking shocked. Like, that is beyond sadistic and beyond fucking brutal. We are definitely not listening to the same Slayer. Definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. Jesus Christ, this poor girl. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. The next morning, Elise's parents discovered that she was gone. Previous times that Elise had snuck out, she was never out all night. Usually, she would sneak out, go hang out with her friends, and be back in her room sometime during the night. But she was always in her room come morning time. So her parents called the police to report her missing. You know, it's morning time. Their daughter isn't there. They immediately felt that something was wrong, like way wrong. So the police treated Elisa's case as a runaway. I mean, taking into consideration her trip to rehab and sneaking out at night. And her parents were starting to give some consequences to her behavior. So who was to say that she hadn't just decided to leave? Right. But it's heartbreaking because the parents kind of could see where she would want to run away. But they honestly felt that something terrible had really happened. Like they were sure that she hadn't run away. We'll see. That's and I'll just insert this real quick. Um, We talked about this on two of my episodes uh, when I covered Joe Clark, Mm -hmm. the Baraboo Bonebreaker. And on the Skylar Niece episode. We talked about this specifically, like police treating missing teenagers, immediately writing them off as a runaway. Yeah. I hate that. And that hinders so much into the investigation. Honestly, it doesn't even matter if said kid has a history of sneaking out. Like if you have these kids as parents coming to you saying, hey, something's fucking wrong. Right. Something's clearly wrong. This is not normal. I think they should, I don't know, like, believe that and kind of like, I don't know, understand that these parents know their children better than they ever will. Right. But also you you just also can't go into something like that with a preconceived notion of what happened. Right. And, I mean, we've talked about preconceived notions by the police through so many cases on this podcast. Right, And especially with, uh, you know, Joe Clark and that whole episode. I won't go into it, but that, that hinders... So much when you do that, you immediately take away any urgency and any kind of like initiative to actually look and find out what the fuck happened. Because in your mind, you've already decided what happened. Right. And I don't know why police do that. I don't know why police do a lot of things that they do. Right. Um, But I don't understand why that is a thing. And that just breaks my heart. Like, it shouldn't matter if she had a history of sneaking out. Like, don't go into 
something like this with a preconceived notion of what happened because you don't you don't know. Right. I do also want to remind that this this is in the 90s as well. Still. I mean, valid. Valid. Still. I mean, the 90s, it's you're right. Like it was a different time. I get that. But I just it just fucks up so much. It takes away so much that you could do to potentially save someone. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were pretty sure that she hadn't run away because this was also supposedly a very exciting time for Elise as well. She was doing well in soccer and tennis. But not only that, the family was going to move to another town. And they were going to move for several different reasons, but the main reason was to try a different school system in hopes that Elise would, like, get a fresh start and, you know, try to turn things around with a right, fresh a slate. Change, a change of scenery and Yeah, everything. and right, Elise right. was actually excited about this move. Like, she was kind of bored of living in a Royal Grand, so... Right, which all of this indicating she wouldn't have just ran the fuck away without a trace and said nothing. Yeah, because, I mean, the prospect of going somewhere new and starting a new adventure was something that she was, like, really into. And her parents also knew that there was literally no way that she would just leave her siblings behind like that. Right, Like, right. she was very close with her family. So why would she run away? Like, it didn't make any sense. And one source said that Lizanne told the police about the incident with the boys... But the police did nothing about this claim because they were still under the impression that she was a runaway because there were tips coming in. So Elise became the talk of the town and a lot of people started calling in and leaving tips that they had seen Elise with an older man in South San Luis Obispo. I hope I'm saying that right. So the police would do their searches out there and nothing would turn up. But the fucked up thing about this is the family is now starting to believe that, you know, maybe she did run away because, you know, there's all these tips. And the people who claim they saw Elise didn't actually see Elise herself. You know, it's kind of like when we talked about Bowerville and these people making false claims about, you know, so-and-so being here. and And that happens all the time, though. Like, there's so many cases. I don't understand why people do it. Like, why you would call in to give false information just for the shits and giggles of it is so fucked up to me. Like, maybe that was the first time they'd ever seen a blonde girl before and was like, oh, it's her, you know? Like, I I don't know, but, you know, maybe, you know, be sure right, about... That, that's what I'm saying, because that's like, another thing check that... check the picture a couple of times. Right, that's just another thing that really fucks up in the investigation. Like, why people want to call in and just not tell the truth about what, what they saw. Like, I don't know. It's just, that's a whole nother... Whole another tangent I could get into at another time, but yeah, it's just but these like... these tips ended up going basically nowhere. You know, they're right. searching out there, they're trying to look for, her. they're not coming up with anything, and they're like, man, either she's she really doesn't want to be found, or you know, I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking, and that's what's so crazy to me about this case because. How are you going to listen to these people with tips and not listen to what the parents are telling you? Right. Especially right. when someone is telling you that there is an incident where a knife is involved. <laughs> right. Like, I, so, I don't understand that shit either. But there I, were other sources I found that didn't make any mention that the mother told the police about the incident or that she was even there. 
So that's one of the variations that I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, because some people are saying that um, when she was down in the ravine and this was going on, like her mom showed up, saw that she was pushed in the ravine and was like, what's that all about? And she's like, oh, you know, they, they just like to beat up on me sometimes, you know. Jesus. Which... You know, I, I guess if you're a girl trying to hang out with the boys back in the 90s, I mean, that was kind of the vibe. You know, the the boys are going to kind of beat up on you a little bit. Got to have tough skin and all that. But that was just, that's what it was like back then. So that, to me, researching this, like, that response kind of makes sense. But at the same time now, it's like, no, girlfriend, no. Yeah, it's <laughs> like they had a fucking knife out on you chanting some, like, weird cult. Like, no. Yeah. Chanting some weird shit. Like, if this is a prank, this is a very, very, very bad fucking prank. Right. Seriously. Like, don't joke about that stuff. If you're going to prank somebody, please don't pull out knives or weapons or anything. That's not funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see... A, a little bit of common sense here. I personally don't see where me feeling like I'm about to get stabbed is in any way fun. It's not or funny. It, I mean, you know, I'm all for adventures, but, like, that's a little bucking mud. But... You know, it's just really sad because the, the parents are starting to believe that she ran away. Even her grandmother, like, her grandmother is also named Elise. So Elise was named after her grandmother. But her grandmother, Elise, sent out a plea to her granddaughter, basically begging her to come home and saying she could even live with her until they figured out everything and talk about, you know, why she ran away and... You know, oh. you can come stay with me. Everything will be okay until we figure it out with your parents. Or... That is so but, fucking heartbreaking. But to just please, you know, come home. Come back, right. That uh, that tears my fucking heart to pieces. So nine months later, March 13th, 1996, the story goes that Royce Casey walked into the police station and confessed to Elise's murder. But I read in court documents that he confessed to a clergyman who then called the police, but he told them everything. Like, it doesn't matter how he ended up there. He told them everything, including who was involved. So in the months after Elisa's murder, Royce had stopped hanging out with Jacob and Joseph at some point, and he found a new path in his religion. He converted to Christianity. I see. Okay. Okay. So whether he found religion or it was just his guilty ass fucking conscience. <laughs> That's what I'm screaming, but you know. Um, he said that he was seeing flashbacks of the murder and he would often see visions of Elise and it scared him. Good. I hope she haunted every single fucking one of them. Like, truly, I do. I truly do. I hope you never get a day of rest. I hope she is always there behind you. When your eyes are closed. <laughs> Sorry, right. that got real creepy. I hope the only thing you have to drink is magnesium citrate. Oh, God. No, please don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> like. So believing Elise was haunting him and his newfound religion making him rethink his plan in life. I'm totally rolling my eyes here. He decided to go to the police but it was when he saw Elisa's missing persons flyer that he ultimately made that decision to turn himself in. All right. So it was it was either that or from my perspective, he didn't think the clergyman was going to call the cops. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I I didn't mean to even I didn't even mean to laugh just that I just couldn't help it. It's I mean, like, but like, what was going through your fucking brain, kid? Like, no, I I believe in people turning their lives around and things like that. But like, you know, because I'm gonna be real. When I was young, I was a shithead. I think we all were. Okay, I was I was a shitty fucking person, and I have worked very hard throughout the years to be a better person. I do believe that people can change their lives, but I do not believe there is redemption when you make that choice to kill someone. Right. I mean, once you listen to Slayer, it's a fucking commitment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a fucking commitment, boy. I'm going to tell you what. All of our lives are rough. But, you know, we don't sit there and go, well, you know what? You know what? That girl right there? That girl right there? I'm going to kill that girl right there. Like, like no. <laughs> I mean, right. That's like, the, nobody normal do that. does that. Nobody normal does that. Like, I, I'm totally for self-defense. But nobody sits there and, like, nobody normal will sit there and plan this shit out. Okay? So... You know, and moving past the even think thinking about it, you know, that's one thing, but actually fucking doing it. Exactly. Like, holy shit. So one source also said that Jacob and Joseph told Royce that she wouldn't be the only one that they do this to and there would be others. Great. Love that. Another worry of his was that the other boys were going to come for him. So the boys listened to Slayer religiously, and there was a line in one of their songs that goes, you're either with us or against us. And the boys took these lyrics very seriously. So Royce is probably going through all of this in his mind and realizing that if these boys could bond with Elise and still kill her, then they'd have no problem killing him as well. Not to mention the boys were bragging about what they did to Elise, but no one took them seriously. So maybe he was afraid of something happening to him, and then they'd go and brag about killing him too and nobody taking it seriously. I don't know. But unless Royce was bragging about killing her too until he all of a sudden found Jesus and had a conscience, like, who knows? But Royce did end up leading the police to her body. This is one hell of a story. Yeah, like, I had shocked. to I had to throw a little bit of speculation in there because, I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, this case takes your mind in some very, very weird places, okay? Like, it, it just... So Royce's journal was found, and it consisted of writings regarding the rising of Satan and that he was fighting on the other side now. There were additional logs in the journal where he stated his belief that serial murders and psychos would make Satan pleased with them by sacrificing virgin meat to their dark master on an altar of sacrifice and to repeatedly have sex with the corpse. Like, this would please Satan, because virgin meat is the ultimate, like, sin, apparently. Fucking Christ. It's, it's pretty... This shit is bananas. So once the Pollard family received news of their daughter's death, Lizanne said that the worst thing for her was thinking about the torture her daughter had to endure. She was quoted saying, quote, something is wretched from you, a piece of your heart. That's what it feels like. The pain, it's so great. It's as great as any physical pain, anything you can imagine, end quote. 
God, that breaks my heart to fucking pieces, man. I just... Uh... On March 14th, 1996, Jacob and Joseph were arrested and brought in for questioning, and they both pretty much admitted to everything, including the fact that they planned this murder for a little over a month. So they didn't even try to, like, deny it or lie their way out of it. One source said that they tried to deny the Satanist part of it, gotcha. but they they never denied, like... Committing the crime. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So Joseph even admitted that it was his idea initially to begin with, that he was like the mastermind behind this plan to kill Elise as a sacrifice to Satan so they could play better in their band, so they could go professional. I can only, I wanted to be a fly in the room on the wall to hear the absurdity for myself because it's how, how, how do you come to this conclusion? Yeah, like it's like I said earlier, I'm still over here screaming, why not fucking practice, dude? Like, why not fucking rehearse? Holy shit. Rehearse. Holy shit. It's insane. They also claimed that Slayer's music inspired them to commit the murder with Joseph saying to Entertainment Weekly, quote, It gets inside your head. It's almost embarrassing that I was so influenced by the music. It started to influence the way I looked at things, end quote. But it would come out later by Jacob that Joseph was just obsessed with Elise and obsessed with killing her. So 14-year-old Joseph Fiorella... 15-year-old Jacob Delashcunt, or <clears throat> Delashmutt, and 16-year-old Royce Casey all pleaded no contest to the murder of 15-year-old Elise Poller. Despite their ages, allegedly they were all tried separately as adults under charges of murder, gang involvement, rape, torture, and conspiracy. They were sentenced to serve 25 years to life in prison, and they were all transferred to different correctional facilities around California. So at the trial, Elisa's grandmother commented that if she knew what these boys were planning, she would have, quote, wrung their scrawny little necks, and Right, quote. right. That's, I'm with you, Elisa's grandma. I'm with you. So Holy I thought, shit. I thought that was a... That was a nice little tidbit to add in there because, you know, grandma just seems really fucking awesome. Right. I mean, they deserve to have their scrawny little necks wrung out or or even better stomped on. Stomped on for sure. In the aftermath of all this, David and Lizanne Poller filed a lawsuit against Slayer in 1996, claiming that several of their songs gave the boys instructions on how to stalk, rape, torture, murder, and commit acts of necrophilia. And can I, sorry, not even try, I, I just want to go ahead and say two things. A, I absolutely cannot stand when people blame music, art, video games, books, anything, anything like that being blamed for acts of horrific violence right i think is absolutely the most absurd shit in the entire world music does not make murderers video games does not make murderers art does not make murderers like i hate that but on the same note i'm also going to say that these poor people had their child brutally taken from them right. by a group of little dipshits 
that was screaming Slayer and Satanism. So, I mean, what the fuck would you do in that situation? Like, no yeah. music, obviously, that's not even a valid argument. But, like, in this situation, Elisa's parents, I can see why. I can yeah. see why they did that. And I'm personally going to say that we should not fault them for that or, like, even go in on that. No, because how else can you bl- how can you blame them? They're They're grieving the horrific murder of their daughter. And they are just trying to make a change so it doesn't happen to someone right, else's right, daughter. Right, right, right. And that's, know, that's that's the even bigger point that I wanted to be, like, highlighted right now. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get further into it as we get along, but if you've never listened to Slayer, a simple Google search will give you lyrics of some of the songs, but they have a song actually called Necrophiliac, where they go into some pretty creepy descriptions about how they raised the devil's child. So here is an excerpt from that song, um, a very short rundown of the lyrics that give you an idea of what these teens were so obsessing over. And I felt like, to me, these lyrics just kind of, you know, I was sitting there researching this, and I'm looking at you know, Slayer lyrics, and I've heard some different examples of Slayer lyrics being used in this case. So I wanted to, I I didn't want to just copy and paste the same lyrics. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the actual, like, other songs that are not so well known, I guess you could say. Right, right. Um, So as I was looking through it, like, I, I'm all down for the personas and, and the art and everybody's tastes are going to be differently. But I want to give you an idea that these children are obsessing over these lyrics. All right. But quote, virgin child now during of life, your soul cannot be free, not given the chance to rot in hell. Satan's cross points to hell, the earth I must uncover. A passion grows to feast upon the frozen blood inside her. I feel the urge, the growing need to fuck this sinful corpse. My task is complete. The bitch's soul lies raped in demonic lust. Her stomach bursts, the casket breaks, the seed is taken form, a writhing shape of twisted flesh, the devil's child is thrown. End quote. <sighs> Heavy. Well, see, it's like, look, we already touched on this. I'll keep the tangent super short and sweet again. I've we are not blaming Slayer. No, or any music or any anything. Like Nothing. I've I've listened to metal my entire life. That's what I grew up listening to. That's what I grew to love. Even today, I'm a very avid metalhead. Same. I, I love that shit. Same. Like, and I, I've also played violent video games my entire life. So it's like. I mean, it's like. But the point I'm saying is, like, I'm someone who actually likes this genre of music, and when you like the genre of music, you come to understand, like, it's not serious like that. Yeah. Like, 80% of, like, a lot, I say 80%, a good portion of metal is composed of lyrics like that. I think it's more so a performance and expression. Yeah. More so than, like, anything that you would take literally. I've listened to this music my entire life. Again, I have not once fucking killed someone like holy shit 
I mean, anytime that you're taking in a medium that is either horror-based or, like, gore-based or shocking-based, you know what I mean? Because you're always going to have those levels. It's an expression at that point, though. Like, that is... There was something clearly fucking wrong with these kids. Like, it's not the music. And that's just the biggest point here that I I like to emphasize. Because, like, we're not going to blame Slayer. We're not going to blame Metal. We're not going to blame fucking Skyrim or any other kind of like video <laughs> game Skyrim. Skyrim we're not going to do any of that like clearly this is a them problem right and you know and what and they're scapegoating that shit on metal music like i just oh, it's for so sure. it's so stupid they're scapegoating it on their need to please satan and slayer music <laughs> but you know what the judge also <laughs> agrees with us basically because he dismissed this case stating Quote, there's not a legal position that could be taken that would make Slayer responsible for the girl's death. Where do you draw the line? You might as well start looking through the library at every book on the shelf. End quote. I mean, that's true. And it's absolutely true. I mean, I love horror movies. I play violent video games. I listen to metal music. Have never once killed anybody in my (laughs) life. Right, right. You know? And, And on the note, too, like, I just... Yes, everything, like, valid, yes, correct, whatever. I feel so fucking bad for Elisa's parents. I do. Because you, I do understand the place, well, I don't understand the place they're coming from. Because I've never, I, I don't have a child, nor have I had a child been murdered, but it's like, I can understand why they would pursue something We like understand that. from an empathetic point of view. Why they would do that. You know? I just, and it just breaks my fucking heart completely. Like, these three little fucking knuckle fucks. So her parents then filed a second lawsuit, and the lawyers that were representing the Pollers, they said, quote, The distribution and marketing of the obscene and harmful material to adolescent males constituted aiding and abetting of the criminal acts described in this complaint, end quote. They also went on to say, quote, None of the vicious crimes committed against Elise Poller would have occurred without the intentional marketing strategy of the band Slayer, end quote. And this case was also dismissed after the judge said, quote, I do not consider Slayer's music obscene, indecent, or harmful, end quote. Her father made a statement to LA Times saying, quote, this case isn't about art. It's about marketing. Slayer and others in the industry have developed sophisticated strategies to sell death metal music to adolescent boys. They don't care whether the violent, misogynistic message in these lyrics causes children to do harmful things. They couldn't care less what their fans did to our daughter. All they care about is money, end quote. Right. And from the standpoint of a grieving father, like, it makes sense why he would feel this way about this particular band. Their point of view is 100%, like, understandable. Like, it really is. And it just breaks my fucking heart that they're... Just having to, I don't know, it just, it's fucking sad, man. It's really sad. And not to diminish how he feels in particular about this band, but we also have to recognize that this is during a time where satanic panic was still a thing. So there were a lot of people against bands like Slayer, and this tragic murder did not make things any better, as you can imagine. Right, right. Especially because the murder was a satanic sacrifice. So it just kind of helped to fuel the, like, satanic panic that was going on at the time. Right. Just like, added oh, right to it. Oh, the music that our kids are listening to are going to turn them evil. And, you know, like, it 
it was a real concern of parents at the time. Right. So the band Slayer is actually protected under the First Amendment in the U.S. with freedom of speech and expression. So Slayer's drummer at the time actually commented and said, quote, They're trying to blame the whole thing on us, and it's such nonsense. If you're going to do something stupid like that, then you should get in trouble for it, end quote. I mean, true. I 100% agree. True. Like, if you're going to fucking go do some crazy shit like this, then you kind of need to fucking face the consequences for it. Don't blame it on me. Right. That's like, oh my God. If somebody listened to our content and was like, go report is the reason why I killed someone. Please don't do that. Please don't. Yeah, do <laughs> like, don't. Like, Please don't, don't do that. Don't. Just don't. don't do that. If murder podcasts make you want to fucking kill someone, then you might need to get like. You need get a that. different you, outlet. <laughs> you might need to turn this off and go get some fucking help, my guy. Or at least touch grass. <laughs> Please, please, goodness, fucking shit! Oh my god, we we know you guys are great. We know you guys are level headed, and this we also know if you kill someone that we're not accountable. Hey, thanks. (laughs) Oh fuck, my brain just went. Okay, so Royce Casey was reportedly serving his sentence in R.J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego when he was granted parole by a California parole board in March of 2021 after spending nearly 24 years in prison. So the family had no problems with him getting out because to them, he was very apologetic. He had shown remorse. He had turned himself in. And he was, you know, basically doing all the things he needed to do to work on his rehabilitation. But the district attorney's office did not agree with this at all, and they wrote to the governor asking him to reverse the decision. His parole was blocked by Governor Gavin Newsom, whose decision was ultimately upheld by the California Court of Appeal. And they ruled Casey's explanation for his state of mind at the time of the crime being, quote, hurt and angry, end quote. Hurt and angry. That he tried to explain that at the time he was very hurt and angry. That is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. I'm pretty sure a lot of us listening are hurt and angry sometimes. But you don't go fucking kill someone, my oh, you're guy. Oh, gonna, you're going to love this clapback. But, um, yeah, so they ruled his explanation for being hurt and angry was not sufficient. And that Governor... Newsom was correct in his decision to deny parole, saying, quote, Almost everyone feels hurt and angry at some point in their lives, yet they do not plot for months to kill an innocent person and then execute the plan in a particularly brutal manner, end quote. Fucking preach. So as for Joseph and Jacob, they are still locked up in High Desert State Prison in Susanville and a correctional training facility in Soledad. And I personally, I think that I think that they need to stay there. I I honestly like thinking about it. I I don't think that I don't think that you can come back from plotting to murder someone and then brutally enacting it like this. This is way too fucking beyond that, like way, way beyond, way beyond. I mean, I don't know. Personally, I agree with you. They need to stay in there forever and always or until Slayer comes and gets them out. I mean, or maybe until Satan opens the door for them. 
with all their power that they got from killing a virgin. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, let's be real here. The loss of Elise Poller was devastating for her family, and in her obituary, they wrote, quote, she loved God, his beautiful world, and loved her friends and family, end quote. Oh, fuck. She was buried in Oak Hill Cemetery in Santa Barbara, California, and at the site of Elisa's murder, her grandmother left a memorial by putting Elisa's picture in a jar with a piece of paper that reads, With her Lord, I love you always, Nana. And that concludes my story of Elise Poller. So maybe next time you watch the movie Jennifer's Body, everyone will think of Elise Poller and the terrible things that she went through. She shouldn't be forgotten. I, like, my heart just goes out to the Poller family. Same. Um, I hope I'm saying your last name right. I just wish them nothing but all the, the healing and everything. Yeah, this is fucking awful. Like, this is, this was beyond. Like, beyond. I don't even, I'm at a loss for words at the end of this, other than just, like, what you said. My heart breaks for these people, breaks for for this family. My heart breaks for Elise and the life that she never got to live or experience. And her, even her younger siblings that, like, you know, lost her, might have known her or might not have known her at the time, and... You know, not having your family member there, I'm, I, I don't know what that's like, but I'm pretty sure it's got to be pretty traumatic. Yeah, this is just horribly fucking sad, horribly sad. He's, he's definitely a delash cunt. A delash cunt. Like yes. there, there is no better term for that. I just, yeah, this one was particularly bad. I honestly don't even know what what to do. I honestly don't even know what to do. And I, I've said it twice. I'll say it for a third third or fourth time here just to like make sure we all understand the point. Yeah. Bitch, we was not listening to the same Slayer. I'm sorry. We were not. Not listening to the same Slayer. Obviously not. Because so, I don't remember Slayer ever telling me to kill somebody and have sex with their corpse for eight months. Like I mean, I, right. I just, I, I don't know. Personally... I've never felt that way jamming out to metal. Clearly, I'm listening to some different shit. Me and you. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but yeah, this one was very, very heartbreaking, very sad. I have little to nothing to say at the end of this. We would love to hear what you guys think about this case, what your opinions are. We always love hearing from you guys. And honestly, on that note... I'm about ready to close this up because that was a panic attack and a half to go through, honestly. It was was pretty terrible, and, you know, it's it's one of those cases where, like, it's got just enough information out there to where, like, you you get the picture, and it's definitely not pretty. Right, right, But you're kind of at the point where it's like, (sighs) at, at this point, I'm just glad that there's not more because I don't want to think about this poor child going through something even worse than what she's already been through. So it, you know, it was it was definitely a roller coaster ride. So yeah, guys, you did your thing. Yeah, I'm panicked. I'm panicked. So on that note, <laughs> my stomach hurts. <laughs> if you would like to follow Ray and I and all of our. <laughs> well, great news. You can totally do that. You can find us on Facebook at Gore Report, a true crime podcast. 
on Instagram. At Gore Report Podcast. <laughs> I almost fucked up, sorry. And follow our Patreon. www.patreon.com slash Gore Report Podcast. And if you just want to drop us a line or you want to request a case, feel free to email us at goreportpod at gmail.com. <laughs> yep, alrighty. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say at the end of this. This was fucking awful. Not listening to the same Slayer. I said it once, I'll say it again. I'll die on that hill. And until next time, everybody. Bye. 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 Uh-huh.